Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. As of this recording, which when you hear it will have been a week ago, my cat is still is doing amazingly well. I'll let you know uh, next week when we're back on schedule and Brendan's back from vacation. But that aside, uh, we're coming up on our 1,000th episode, okay? 1,000 episodes of this show. And I like to read emails on the air occasionally, so I want to hear any questions you might have as we approach that milestone show, 1,000. You can send your questions to WTFpod at gmail.com. Any questions about any of the 1,000 episodes of the show or any past guests that you want uh, some follow-up on, any questions you have for me personally, if they're nice or, or yeah, you can be challenging. Just don't be a fucking asshole. Uh, questions about what goes on off the mic are fine. And behind the scenes, you can some of that or any advice you think I might be able to dispense. I'm willing to give it a shot. Send those to me at WTFpod at gmail.com. If you can get us to questions by the end of the month, that would be helpful. Also, John Bernthal is on the show today. John Bernthal is an actor. You probably know him from The Walking Dead, the first season or two of The Walking Dead. He's now in the third season of The Punisher, which is available on Netflix. You can stream all three seasons right now. He is The Punisher. He was in The Wolf of Wall Street. You'll recognize him when you look him up or you've seen him. He's an intense fellow. Usually plays a angry dude of some sort. Oh, he's in the first Sicario movie, too. I like him. I like him. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's all in. And uh, it, it was exciting to get to talk to him. So you'll get to hear that pretty, pretty unique story, really, uh, in terms of uh, life and acting. It involves Russia. That's what I'm saying. There was collusion between John Bernthal and, and Russia. But I would like to add this that I am recording this a week out because, uh, as you know, if you listen to this show regularly, my uh, my uh, business partner and producer, Brendan, is on vacation with his wife. So we did these shows uh, last week. So I, I'm I'm wary. I'm wary to sort of go into any immediate stories that are happening today because they're a week old and who the fuck knows what could happen in a week. Right. Not just with me, with you, with the world, with this country. And who knows? So I can't really do a, a a show like that where I'm engaged in... Well, I, I'm immediately engaged what I'm talking to you about right now, but it is a week ago. Does that make any sense? I would like to get back to... I, I got a couple things that happened. This this uh, If some of you were listening, a while back I got a, uh, an email from this guy, Jacob, 
And uh, he basically was talking about me doing, he saw me in Bloomington at this small club up there, a great club called the Comedy Attic. And he said, I saw you in Bloomington last year working out your new stuff. And at one point, you got up from the stool, walked to the side of the stage, looked at me and said, how's it going? In that moment, I thought you were asking how I was doing. So I said something along the lines of good. You said, okay, went back to the stool and continued on with the show. Now, I also told you uh, after that, if I said that, if my recollection was correct, I would not have done that unless I thought this dude was threatening somehow. If I projected some sort of threat that I saw him as somebody, he was probably alone. Uh, maybe he, uh, you know, I thought he was going to kick my ass or he got, he gave me stink eye. I don't know what it was, but I knew that if I was doing that, there's only one reason I do that is to disarm a potential situation that I'm making up in my head. And, uh, and he, he wrote me back after I said that. I told you guys that, what I, I thought it was. He said, hey, Mark, my bet is on I was a scary-looking dude. I've got long hair and a long beard and something about the way my face is. I just look angry a, a lot of the time. I get a lot of questions like, what's wrong? Or what are you thinking? Which is what I did from stage. When nothing is wrong and I'm not really thinking anything. I stuck around after the show and I got to tell you that I loved Attempting Normal, especially the Lou Reed guitar pick story. And I got a quick picture of you and attached it. And yeah, even smiling in that picture, I look a little scary or angry. Now, I wish you could see this picture because this guy, he's a big boy. He's got long hair, a beard, looks like he could just break me like a fucking stick, like a twig, just twist me up like a pretzel, just like crush me in his hand. So... I guess I'm just tooting my own horn that I knew exactly why I asked a guy in the audience, how you doing? Because he was, he looked like he could do some harm. Turns out not a bad guy, apparently. Not a bad guy. Weird. Another thing happened today that I think is sort of an evergreenish kind of thing. It's not, it's not time relative. I got a call on my, on my cell phone. I was in my car. I didn't recognize the number. But I'm, you know, I'm an idiot. If it, it, I know what spam numbers look like, but this looked like it was local, so I picked it up. It was just some guy going, "Hey, I don't. Is this Mark Marin?" And I'm like, "Who's this? Is this Mark Marin? Well, this. If this is Mark Marin, I'm so and so. I, you know, I'm from. He's from a, a talent agency, a big one. His name was Pete. And uh, I'm like, "What's this about?" He's like, "I just saw you. I was at the art show at the Freeze. My uh, Sarah, the painter." had a, a piece, a, uh, an installation over at Freeze LA in the back lot at Paramount, which is where they had the fair. It was pretty amazing. And I'm like, and I was on the other line with Brendan. I'm like, hold on a minute. And I got back on. I'm like, now, wh what is this? Who is this? He goes, my name's Pete so-and-so from this agency, that agency. He says, I got to tell you a story, man. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying, rarely in my life has my being an asshole uh, necessarily done anybody any real good myself included but this guy out of nowhere says look man you uh I, you, I just got it you know i is this you is this your number i'm like just what so you got 30 seconds i'm like yeah, come on yes he goes all right i just figured he was he was legit, legit on some level i mean it wasn't great that he was calling me but he was doing he says look man back in i, I was uh i went to emerson college it was like before school even started i had a crush on this girl Right, I just saw this girl and I really liked her, and and uh, you know we ended up like you know having lunch one day. I'm paraphrasing a story, and she decided I wasn't scary that we could hang out one night. We went to Harvard Square. I was like 17 or 18 years old. The guy's 45 now, so what is that? 20, 
30 years ago, almost, almost 30 years ago. We're walking around Harvard Square. The doorman at Catch a Rising Star says, you want to go to a comedy show? I didn't, I didn't know if I was old enough or whatever, but we got in. They walked us in. This is the first night he's with this girl. He says he walked in. They, they seat him right up front. And, uh, and he says he's with this girl he doesn't really know. It's like a first date. So the guy, the doorman, probably thought he was doing him a favor. He said the first guy on stage was me. And I did about five minutes of material. Then I just opened up on him. And I just fucking ripped into him for 15 minutes. He said he said it was devastating. Just leveled him. Just like, and at that point, like, what was that? Like 20, that long ago, I must have been just a fucking, just a bully. Just a fuck. I just, I probably for no reason just eviscerated this guy. Is that the word? But uh, apparently after the show, this woman who, this was their first date said, you didn't cry. You didn't, uh, you didn't fall apart. You didn't come unhinged. You didn't, uh, and, and she said, I'm going to marry you someday. And now they've been married for like, like over 25 years. And he just wanted to call me because it reminded him, I guess, to thank me. I said, uh, how'd you get my number? He says, I'm a crazy agent guy. I've got everyone's number. <laughs> but that was nice, I guess. It was a little weird, a little without boundary, but, uh, it's rare that, uh, you know, you're, you're a complete dick and it, it brings people together and that's a lasting bond. I'm sure I didn't have anything to do with the, with the thing lasting. But anyway, that was that story and that was that email. All right, so John Bernthal, I always liked him on screen. I always liked John Bernthal on screen and it, I was happy to, uh, to talk to him. He, he seemed intense. I was wondering, uh, you know, what was in there? What's in that guy? Huh? He's uh, he's in The Punisher. He is The Punisher. The third season of The Punisher is now available on Netflix. And you can stream uh, all the seasons right now. And this is me talking to uh, the, the nicer than you think, John Bernthal. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. So, oh, hi. When did you move up there? How long you lived up there? You know, I moved up there. We've been there about five years. I did a a, a movie. Uh, I did this movie Sicario, just a small part with with uh, and Emily Blunt was in it. Yeah, you and, were a, a morally bankrupt fucker. <laughs> it's kind of my was thing. It? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of my mo. <laughs> but, but she she lived up there, and you know, we we I'd been in 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 Venice for. Uh, Years, you know, since since about two thousand three. Really? That's- yeah, and 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 you know, I had three kids at this point, and really sort of 
wanted a big uh, life change and I was talking to to Emily about it and yeah. she said you know make the move to oh hi it's incredible we went up there and I saw a house I fell in love with it and and that was kind of it and then the second I moved up there she moved out oh really <laughs> Emily like, left shit yeah it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> that serious you know what I mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know, man. I uh, so you drove down here today? I drove uh in last night oh. I actually uh yeah, yeah, saw some friends last night, which is something I never ever never <laughs> do. Yeah, you yeah. had a good excuse. Some old friends. Yeah, it was just it was great. It was great. I went to a really cool uh a really cool bar at Union Station called the Streamliner. Oh, yeah? Like completely untouched from back in the day. Oh, really? really cool. One of those old-timey drinking yeah. bars? Yeah, yeah, I don't drink, man, but it was it was uh it was cool to sort of be there and then you, when everybody gets drunk, I take off. You never drank? Uh, I, I definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely did, but uh, no longer. Really? No longer. Yeah. You got sober. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In 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 some ways, I mean, I I I uh, I, I still will uh, smoke a little marijuana from yeah. time to time. You know what I mean? Sometimes, right? Oh, so it's not like you're, you're not uh, like because I've been sober a long time. Know, but you're yeah. not like Bleh, no nothing. It was it was really for me a um, a big a big big kind of life change that, yeah. that kind of all happened at once and and. Uh, the drinking wasn't necessarily my problem, but it yeah. was the things that would happen when I when I drank. Oh, I yeah, guess that's yeah. the same for sure, fucking everybody. Right. But yeah. I, I really needed to cut the other shit out, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, drinking helped with that. Sure, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You just lose a few days. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, I, uh, I, uh, it, it was a good. You know, it was right around. It was right around two thousand nine. Uh, is uh, July third, two thousand nine. You know, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd gotten in a in a bunch of trouble, sort of growing up yeah um uh, kind of different episodes of 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 some you know street street violence you know and and there was one more thing and it was just it happened at a time in my life where it just i it just had no excuse to you too old to for that shit? and way too old man and uh it was weird that it was kind of like an acute sort of thing and I, it, it, it was uh you know this this one event happened and that was kind of it i had a, I had a real honest conversation with myself and then oh, yeah? it was just done you well because you probably realize like oh what's well, the thing i always realize is that when you're doing shit mm-hmm. you 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 sort of uh, your odds of getting you know fucking dying one way or the other or getting into trouble that you can't get out of yeah. is exponentially much higher 100 <laughs> percent, especially yeah. when you've been in trouble yeah. and when you've been in that situation and you've lost friends and you've seen all this shit and you just keep on pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and then sometimes it's something that maybe compared to other shit you've done is quite benign right but this one thing for yeah. this one reason it's right. all about fucking timing and That's then right. you know something yeah. happens and you stare yourself in the face and you talk to somebody else and yeah. you're just like hey man you, you get me out of this one i'm fucking right. done and right, that's, right. that's 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 what yeah. happened to me and and really everything in my life Changed. shifted after that yeah. yeah yeah i don't know how many of those you get that I mean, get too. me out of this one right but <laughs> such a blessing if you get it and you're aware yeah, of it know, and you actually right. do something yeah, yeah. about it you know what i mean well wait so you were some sort of uh, uh fuck up kid uh yeah look man you, where'd you grow up i grew up in dc in washington dc do you know dc a little yeah, yeah yeah i mean i know i mean i know the, i've been to the city a few times i've been mm-hmm. to alexandria a okay. few times I'd, i i wouldn't know it to sort of like if you were to start naming neighborhoods i wouldn't know it right right but right. it wasn't like you grew up uh, you know uh, in the bad side of town or anything no i mean dc was a crazy place man i i absolutely didn't you know i i uh you know i came from a really really good home a lot of a lot of support uh you know great parents great brothers uh my parent my parents were also foster parents they brought in kids really and, wait uh, so wait so your dad like what was uh what was the family business um the family so my old man my old man was a lawyer but he kind of he built himself up he sort of uh you, you know came got from Syracuse he's sort of blue collar guy and then he became a lawyer and became more and more and more and more successful 
successful as we got older, which was kind of a crazy thing to to see. And his own and, firm, and, or no, no, nothing like that, nothing like that. But but uh, you know he. He he became. Uh, it's funny because he was one of those self-hating lawyers, you know. And and uh, you, you know, look, he 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 deep down, he's uh, he he came from a very different world. And I think growing up, he sort of looked at you know lawyers with their fancy cars and their fancy houses and all this bullshit. And you know, nobody hated a lawyer more than him. And slowly but surely, you know, he kind of became exactly that as 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 we got older. Slippery but, slope. Yeah, yeah man. It but you starts know, he, to look good and feel good. You know, that's right. That's yeah. right. And and you know he ended up he ended up giving it all up and uh, you know he retired and uh, dedicated his life to the Humane Society. Then he was the uh, chairman of the board of the Humane Society. Animal of the guy, States. big time. It loves animals way more than people, man. Yeah. So you get so his family and uh, does your mom work? Uh, my mom was uh, work with troubled teens, uh, clinical psychoanalyst, social worker, all that. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Social work it fascinates me. I don't yep. think they get enough credit. I totally agree, man. You know I what totally I mean? I mean? It's like. And I think DC at the time, you know, when you look at DC in the '80s and the '90s, it was, uh, uh, you know, it was yeah. an extremely rough city and, and and a fascinating city, yeah. you know, a conglomeration of all these different kinds of people coming together. And and uh, you know, I I, I found that um, you know, very small city too. Yeah. So yeah. we're all kind of on top of each other. And if you're sort of an adventure, it doesn't really matter what part of DC you grow up in. If you uh, if you have a, a a sort of a knack for adventure and you want to get into shit, it's it's but, it's all right there. But were you? The, but you were the one in your family. I, I mean, how many one. brothers and sisters? Yeah, I have two. I have two blood brothers, and and I was, and they're both enormously successful guys. I got, I got a little brother who's a orthopedic oncologist, wow. a surgeon at uh, UCLA, like Princeton basketball player. You, you know, you guys get like, along. They're, they're my best friends in the world. And what's best the other brother do? Super successful businessman. Uh, what was in uh, journalism? He was a, a producer for NBC. Won a bunch of Emmys and <laughs> left and started a uh, a market research company. We're here in New York or here? All, all, all here. We all lived in Venice. Then uh, my four best friends from D.C., we all moved out to what Venice. What about your folks? They are back in D.C., but they come out a lot. So they, they're originally from upstate New York, your old man? My old man, yeah. From from working class Jews? Yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> from the peasant stock? That's exactly right. That's Ashkenazi, exactly right. alpha yeah. Jew? That, the, big time, brother. Big time. Big time. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. Mobsters and plumbers. That's exactly... You, you fucking hit it on the head. That's enough. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about that, but you hit it, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what about your mom? Is it that same thing? Uh, kind of. You know, my mom's my mom's family is 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 interesting. They're you know Texas and Missouri and Jews. And, yeah, man. And like and like really, you know. Uh, I love that man. Farmers I, and soldiers and you know isn't that really, wild. Yeah, man. So and like, it's it's funny because it's like the idea. You know, where I grew up and how I grew up, there weren't uh, you know Jewish culture. It was just to me, it it, it seemed much more uh, of a New York thing. You know, in DC, yeah, upper class too, like. There's that moment where you realize, you know, as a Jew, that, you know, the generations had to come up to that. Big time. And there's all these, you know, just, I remember I worked at a Jewish deli outside of Boston uh-huh. when I was uh, in college, just an old Jewish deli. And these guys, cops would come in, Jewish cops. And, and it's like, there was a whole generation before our parents' generation that really scrapped. You know, I, there were a bunch of Jewish boxers. Yeah, my my my, uh, my my dad's uncle was Golden Gloves champion in New York. You know, they, you know, and they, every day walking to school, they had to fight the Italian kids. And that's, th- those are the stories that I grew up in, you know, they're, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, 
know, there were, there were, you know, I'd cut cousins who were robbing banks, you know, the whole oh, yeah, thing, man, yeah. you know, and it was a very different. It's a sobering thing as a Jew to realize that, uh, like, uh, if it makes you feel good. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, we're not all rich assholes. That's you know? right, brother. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I man. talked to Tim Blake Nelson. Uh-huh. He's an Oklahoma Jew. Oh, wow, I didn't know. I know, wow, man. Wow, wow, wow. Like wow, his wow. his parents, you know, got in, got out under the the Nazi thing, and they sure. were relocated by that agency. It's an old organization that okay. was uh, that was designed to to get uh, Jews out of the pogroms and integrated into the states. But they wow. spread everybody out, right, right, because they knew that they they would all they were going to come to get us at some point. Right, right. So right. if we could relocate everybody in yeah. different parts, yeah. Yeah, they'd yeah, have yeah. less of a shot at getting <laughs> all of us. Right. right so his right. family ended up in uh, in Oklahoma City, and they became oil Jews. Wow. Wow. Yeah, wow, it was, wow. He was a wildcatter. His grandfather, his maternal grandfather, wow. was out drilling oil wells, wow. and then. Became a huge oil guy. Wow, isn't that crazy? Wow. What, what wow. Missouri and Missouri and Texas Jews? I know Texas Jews. Do you? El Paso, Houston. El Paso had a big Jewish community. I grew up in New Mexico. Right, right. No, I know that. So you do? You, yeah. you do some research? No, man. I just I'm a huge fan of your show. <laughs> I love your show, man. And it's funny because Tim, he's the next one. I had. Oh, you hadn't listened to it yet. I skipped over that and listened to Maggie. You know, and I, I love that. I love that interview. Oh yeah. Well, it? the yeah. thing about Tim, I didn't know anything because you you just make assumptions about people. One hundred percent. And then I like did a little research and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. you know, a very uh, eloquent, kind of mild-mannered uh, Jewish wow. guy from wow. Oklahoma. Does he have uh, Does he have an accent in real life? A little bit. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, he wow, sort wow. of does. Wow. So, all right, so you're growing up uh, the, the black sheep, the troublemaker, mm. <laughs> and the, the lawyer's kid who's got problems. Mm. Is that you? I'd, I'd say that's fair, man. I'd say that's fair. I, I, I think, you know, it, it's... I, I, I really had... I, I really had... And I think it, what it comes down to is all kinds of deep, deep fears and shit like that, and, yeah. and all kinds of you, you know confusion. But you know, I I really was sort of fascinated at, at a young age with 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 violence, and I was in this really really ultra violent city, and I was uh, in ways protected by it. In ways, when I think of now, my own kids living in a teeny town like Ojai, and and I, and I look at the way I grew up. You know, I mean, I was. I started, it, it didn't seem scary or, or, or anything to me at the time, but, you know, I started getting mugged, you know, when I was probably 10, you know what I mean? And, you know, taking the subway and the bus to school, you know, just shit that kids don't really do anymore. And, uh, you know, I was always sort of attracted and wanted to be best friends with the kids that, you know, at first it was the kid that carried the switchblade, then it was the kid that was dealing crack, then it was yeah. the kids who carried guns. And I just, I always, that was sort of my thing. And, and I had this core of best friends that are still my best friends who you know, are all, you know, successful guys in their own right and really got out of that. But we just had a fucking nose for trouble, man. And it was just, we, we, we loved each other and we got each other's back. And, and, and I think for, for, for young men, it's, it's, it's a strange thing because we grew up at this time where our way of telling each other, we loved each other and and kind of making love to each other with for lack of a better word was, to, to sort of engage in these kinds of street fights with people and to stand up to anybody who wanted to and get each other's backs. Right. And it's, it was Create the bond of create loyalty. This, and This shit, man. And it just, it stayed with us way too fucking long in this in this. But, totally, like, wait, like, but we weren't like, it wasn't like you were in public school, or, were you? No, but we we were, I mean, D.C.'s a, a, DC's a strange place because you have, you, you have conglomeration of kids. I mean, the school that I went to, you know, now strangely is where, 
uh, is where the Obama daughters uh, which school? ended up. It's called Sidwell, and uh, it was a Quaker school, <laughs> which was fucking nuts. But that's one of those like ma- like aristocratic prep schools, right? Kind of, yeah. I mean, the way that the school worked when I was going is that thirty percent of the kids would pay for the other seventy percent to go. Oh, okay, so, it, was so really, it wasn't really a prep school. It, it, it was, but it was you know really some of the main tenets of Quakerism, which I find fascinating, uh, are, are diversity, and it yeah. wasn't just racially diverse uh, or socioeconomic diverse, socioeconomically diverse. But you know there was a there was a huge pressure to be for, for behavioral diversity, and kids who got kicked out of public schools could come to this school, and there was this whole idea there that. You know, within this sort of utopian community, these kids who are dealing with real shit yeah. outside of the school, everything, you know, you were supported there. And it was all about conflict resolution. And, and, and it was this place where everybody could come together and feel, you know, loved. And, yeah. and what you had is on campus, these kids who were engaging in real shit outside of school were really kind of proud and happy to be there. And uh, interestingly, you know, what happened to that school uh, you know, when Bill Clinton won the election, you know, he 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 brought Chelsea to D.C. Yeah. And it was this thing where, you know, the D.C. public school system at that time was just a fucking I, I mean, it was you know, the Secret Service looked at what those schools were right. like. And they said, we cannot send Chelsea. Yeah. To any How can schools. we secure this child? That's right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the <laughs> and, 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 you know, they, they they took a look and, you know. Clinton had done so much for the public school system in Little Rock and they look politically, you know, where do we send her? Because if we right. send her to one of these sort of hoity-toity private schools, it's not going to look good. And they looked at our school and they said, wow, it's so diverse and they got all kinds of kids. Let's send them there. And then the Secret Service took a closer look and they looked at some of these kids and they had <laughs> legitimate criminal records and shit like that. Yeah. And what was crazy is that in in the 150-year history of the school, there had never been an expulsion ever. All yeah. disciplinary measures were student-run, and uh, you know the students. The stu- it was really a community of support. And what happened was when the national media spotlight was sort of focused on this school in a two-year period, they kicked out like half the African American males. They brought in a new administration. They just started kicking these kids out left and right. And it was this crazy fucking. This this crazy contradiction, this crazy, uh, you, you know, is everything that we had been inundated with. Was it a with. business move? I you mean, know, I don't know. I mean, I think really what it, I, I think really what it was, was PR. You know, and like right. all of a sudden, you know, now that you have the president's kid there, you know, all of a sudden we'll get a different. You, you know, you'll have more kids maybe paying full full freight. Right. And, right. and uh, I, I'm not exactly sure what it was, but I know that right before our eyes, I think you know, you were there. High school, I was there, man, and 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 I think that you know, high school is always a sort of coming of age time and you, you start to see a lot about how the real world works and right. in DC you see a lot when you're really young but the 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 absolute hypocrisy and sort of institutionalized racism that went play that took place from this institution that we totally believed in and it totally preached I mean we sang the black national anthem in that school we yeah. we you, you know we were absolutely inundated. And the kids believed in it. Big time, man. Yeah. And, and and what was interesting is the one sort of bit of the institution that they couldn't touch is, uh, I don't know if you know anything about Quakerism, but one of the things I really dig about it is, you know, there's no hierarchy in that religion, right? right. So there's no, there's no priest, there's no, so the way you pray is you all sit in silence and if that, in God, that of God moves any of you, anybody can get up and address the congregation at any time. I didn't know that. So there's no, you know, there's no, no leaders, no followers. Right. Um, so once a week for sort of my entire upbringing, 
the entire school body, buildings and grounds, security, coaches, teachers, students, all sat in silence. And if anybody was moved, they would go and they would they, they could address the entire community. Did you and preach at times? I, I, I preached. I preached once. Yeah. I got up once, man. I got up once. Because <laughs> uh, you felt God. You know, I w- you know the time that I, I don't think I've ever fucking talked about the time that I got up <laughs> was you know I I was sort of in and out of trouble with the with the law a bunch uh, even even in For high what? school a lot of fighting and bullshit and 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 always in trouble with the school always you know about to get kicked out usually you know? fighting a lot a lot of that a lot of that shoplifting. And, um, uh, when I was younger, that was sort of car a younger theft. thing. That, no, ne- never stole a car. No, okay. yeah, no, we, we took the right. subway, man. Just you don't want to fuck around with the car. You know? <laughs> but uh, I remember there was a guy, I, I was uh, out in Maryland, and uh, you know, D.C. is interesting because you have these pockets of Maryland and Virginia right there, and you can be in D.C., and then all of a sudden you can be in this little spot in Maryland or Virginia, and it's like all of a sudden you're in the deep south. You know, right. it's, it's, sure. so, it's so yeah. crazy where that where that is. And we were in a spot like that, and, and, and I remember a, a man was there and started going after, that. we were playing basketball, went after one of my friend's little brothers, and... Uh, grabbed him and threw him on the ground and we tried to get him off and he ran away and I remember I went and to a payphone and I called the police and I was so ashamed that I ca- that 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 I snitched on this guy and like this is how fucking crazy the outlaw my head is. code you know what I mean and that's what I that's what I got up and talked about him yeah it's fucking embarrassing <laughs> I just admitted that but uh no so, that, it's a weird it's a you know it, the loyalty among thieves I guess so, man. I guess so. No, but I mean, not even thieves. But no, I, 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 I understand the predicament. Yeah, you know, man. It, 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 there was part of you that thought, you know, we should have handled this. I guess so. I guess so. And and, 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 and think about the. T- if you had beat the shit out of him, would you have felt better? I don't think I would have got up in, in meeting <laughs> for worship. Yeah, you know what I mean. I don't think so. I don't think so. But I, I just uh, look. I'm, I'm, I'm extremely. I'm extremely grateful for, for, for how I grew up. And I think that the, the challenge now is, you know, I, I, I think in, uh, you know, being an artist, it, 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 I think that by itself saved my life, changed the course of sure, my life. Sure, but let and, me ask you something, though, yeah. about, about the, 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 the impulse. Mm-hmm. When you guys were together, when you guys were, you know, uh, fighting other dudes, I mean, was it, you know, how did, has it, did you, do you see yourself as somebody who was um, a bully or just somebody who was fighting like-minded people? We were, th- that was the thing with us. You know, we were the guys that we, sort of our school was sort of the, we were the underdogs. We were yeah. the laughing stock. We were the right. guys who had, ne- our football team had never won a homecoming game in a hundred years. You were on we were the football the guys, team? I was, yeah. I was. And, and I grew up with these guys and our, our it's, one it's, team was- It's rare that a, a football player is the underdog in yeah, high school. Well, <laughs> well, compared to the other schools. Because they were you know, smart. Oh, just in school. Right, okay. compared to the other school. And that, it was never within our school. It was always other schools. Oh, okay. and, and, and they would all, uh, you know, we were never, you know, my best friend- my best friend growing up, Greg Zumas, you know, his, he, he grew up, his, his mom's a brilliant writer, you know, would write for the New Yorker and his sister, yeah. his sister's a, a great writer. And, you know, he grew up in this like unbelievably sort of progressive feminist home. And, uh, you know, his mother's a Buddhist and he was this guy, he never cursed, he never, but like literally one of the most legendary street fighters in the history of DC. And he was one of these guys that never raised his voice. You know, but when, if, if it was this thing like, hey, if you guys want to do this, well, but we were never the guy. <laughs> that look for it right. never we were never we were just always uh willing willing participants. but it's funny because it seems like you had a relatively uh, you know thoughtful pro- you know progressive like uh, you know moral jewish upbringing mm-hmm. and you know he did too like i i guess there's a sort of um 
Like if you've got it in you and to push back on that, I mean, like I, like I guess I did it, but not in the fighting way. But you know, it, it, for me, like I liked gravitating to charismatic fuckheads, mm-hmm. and uh, I think my dad was kind of a charismatic fuckhead. Mm-hmm. But but the the thing was, I was never a, a, a fighter. But you do want, you know, there there's room in 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 the progressive sort of upbringing where you're sort of like well i'm gonna i'm gonna you know i'm gonna push the envelope this that's way it. that's it you have the freedom to do that because you're not being disciplined like you know regular fucking parents that's it that's <laughs> it that's it and and look man to rebel is to rebel and 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 i think like you know violence is some sort of disruption you want to disrupt you want to disturb and you that that can be something that you're doing to yourself it can be something you know that 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 you're willing to participate in when it when it, when, it, when it's with someone else but you had this i mean you must have at some point i mean what were your parents reactions to this you have you have some other thing in you i mean you have whatever they you know whatever makes your brother an orthopedic surgeon yeah. uh, you know is you know you have that as well so how are they reacting to all this shit you know I, I, look you know my brothers have said it before i i i, I can you know especially as a parent now i i cannot believe the patience that they fucking had with me i mean you know there were times literally you know where my i remember my mother you know my poor mom my mother having to you know looking down the block looking at what police what cars are coming out seeing if it was policemen coming you know, yeah. telling her to hide telling me to hide behind the kitchen counter you know really they, they, yeah man and and I, but i remember like you know it's, <laughs> That's it's very progressive but but here's the thing Get down, it, you know what i mean but the thing is is that you know like it really <laughs> was they really always did did see something in me. I always felt loved by them. I always felt supported by them. And 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 you know when I said to them, I mean it's it's also just sort of a, a good life lesson of setting the bar really fucking low because you know I, I think a lot of kids who who may have grown up the way I did, if they said, hey, I want to be an artist, I want to be an actor, their parents would say, I fucking paid for this education. There's no way you're doing that. But also, my folks were like, great. You're yeah, like, he, you wants be, he wants to do something. He wants to do something. He's not going to end up in jail. That's it. I mean, it, I mean, I guess it. that's really the the fear is that uh, you know you you've got this kid that that is this way. You know, how do we stop him from doing himself in for life? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what was the white light moment that enabled you to find this other way? I think it it, it all started for me. You know, my, my mother had had done a little bit of acting uh, in, in, in college. And, you know, she always told me. You, you're an actor. She always told me that you should, you could do it. You got to be a pretty good bullshit artist to be a criminal in a progressive Jewish house. <laughs> you got to sell some line of bullshit right, to your right, parents. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> but you know, man, I, I, I went to, uh, I, I went to uh, a small liberal arts college in, in upstate New York. And, Which one? Uh, it's called Skidmore. Skidmore. I know that one. You know it's a good school, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty good. I got it. I played baseball. That's how I got in. Uh, I ended up taking an acting class. There was a woman there named Alma Becker. So you were the uh, jo- you were the jock in the acting class? Yeah, man. And I I took the class totally. Uh, just because it would be easy. Just get rid of a fucking requirement. And, <laughs> yeah, and right. me being the asshole I was, I thought I was taking a class. It was going to be 300 people watching movies, you know, yeah, yeah, and right. uh, I ended up with 10 theater majors. I signed up for the wrong fucking thing. You know what I mean? And uh, So you were kind I, of a dick. I, total idiot. Total <laughs> idiot. Uh, but I ended up in this class and, yeah. and uh, you know, the, the, the Alma saw something in me. She really saved my life, man. She, she, uh, 
she put me in my first play. Um, she was the one when I couldn't finish school. I had gotten into some trouble. I couldn't finish. What school. trouble there? I had gotten in trouble back before I had I'd gone to gone to college and was sort of hanging over me the whole time I was there. What a and a, then you got busted. Th- there was a fight. Yeah, a fight before I went to school and uh, hanging over you, hanging over me, and then um, like I what? You up, mean you had to do time or you're on probation or probation? What? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, and and so um, I, I I I I went to Alma and I said, hey, look, I really want to do this. I really I really want to be an actor and she arranged for me to to move to russia and audition for the moscow art theater and and uh i i i ended up that i think that event and 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 almost seeing that in me yeah really changed everything so when you were when you were we took the class mm-hmm. it, it was just a year with her for initially it was a year with her uh, initially and what were you learning like what like what like you know so you're this guy you've got this attitude mm-hmm. and you know you're you get to this class and then you know what do you see that makes you realize that you know like i i can do this i mean i think that there was uh i think that there was an energy that an energy of adventure and an energy of abandonment oh that didn't require beating people up <laughs> like you could get up there and pretend and you know it's all very immediate go fucking nuts man you yeah. can you, you could dive into this and it was just as chaotic just as dangerous as anything i had ever done except now people were supporting me there's a context saying, yeah that, that that is not the, some sort of outlaw code and that's it and right. I, and and no uh, you know and 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 it was it was just as dangerous it was just as exciting what it to was, oh because he was terrifying to go up there and what to be open or to try to do absolutely things? Yeah, absolutely yeah. and and to get the, uh, up in front of an audience and and you know i i i think it's something i mean to this day when i think about you know stand up you know you, you know one of my one of my best friends is a a guy who I grew up boxing with, he's a stand-up comedian named Sean Kerrigan and, and uh, pro fighter, uh, undefeated pro fighter. Yeah. And, you know, I really looked at the the link between being a boxer and being a comedian. And it's one of the things, I, just to go up there and that risk that you take and the, the danger and that anything can fucking happen. You can yeah. fucking get killed up there. Yeah. And yeah. it's such a, I'm so or envious of it. Or you can just die. Yeah, right. <laughs> or it can just be fucking lame, right? But but it's, but but uh, I, I just think any, any high stakes situation, it was something that I, I got a huge rush off of, and then I realized, wow, for the first time in my life, adults and peers are looking at me and saying, hey, you're pretty good at this. You're not like a total fuck up. And, yeah, and uh, you're doing something you know, creative, and it, it, depending on what, what you're doing, there, there's meaning and, and, uh, and, and uh, lessons in it. I think that's right. right. I think that's but right. But yeah, but I know the juice you feel when you first get up there where like, it, it's usually about like, am I going to look like an asshole? Mm-hmm. You know, like, am I going to make a fool out of myself? Mm-hmm. And and you do, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then you, you start to integrate that. Because I, I think, I imagine with somebody like you, I'm, you know, I'm not a psychoanalyst, that mm-hmm. the fear of looking, of embarrassment had to be a big thing. I think so. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I'll be honest with you. I was always kind of an outsider in in that theater. I mean, I was the guy showing up, you know, in a baseball uniform or, you know, going to practice right after. You <laughs> scaring know. the scaring the, the fragile people. But see, it was really the other way. They scared me, man. And well, I, I know, think but that's they, the coolest part of it. Did you know, they know I, that? I, you know, I don't know. I, you, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think that. Uh, this is like an after school movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Right. I mean, you know, I, I just, I, I just, you, you know, that theater specifically in that 
theater department at Skidmore. Was, at Skidmore was really sort of steeped in the avant-garde theater scene. There was there's a it, it, the, the head of the department was this guy Gautam Dasgupta who was a who was a, a huge dramaturg in the '60s and 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 in in uh, the avant-garde theater. So you had so like um, what Julian Beck Living Theater Theater big time, Cruelty uh, Richard Foreman. Oh, Foreman, uh, Foreman yeah, yeah, yeah. So like my I, I basically I had these two things kind of pulling at me. I had Alma who was this teacher. I mean, once I got the bug, that was it, man. I was in a play. I was in a play every second from then on. What was the I quit first the baseball play? team. Uh, the Scarlet Letter. I played Chillingworth. Yeah. And so uh, you quit the team. Quit the team. I got wow. involved with this theater company. We all lived in a house together, and the theater company would in do Skidmore? shows at well in in Saratoga. Yeah. Uh, we we performed at this place called Ca- uh, Cafe Lina, which was this little coffee shop in Saratoga Springs, where you know Bob Dylan started. It was just uh-huh. beautiful, and uh, we did these crazy fucking shows. And then Richard Foreman saw our stuff and and uh he had us do shows at the ontological in new york so i would be in school and driving down to new york doing plays there and then we would start doing plays in dc as well so it, i would be in the school play i'd be in the, the just you or the troop the whole the whole group the whole so group. you did some foreman stuff yeah we did foreman stuff it's always did, a lot going on on stage with time, foreman yeah, it's like a lot of people a lot yeah, going yeah, on yeah yeah you know anything masks yeah, noises yeah, you know yeah, what i mean all crazy kinds of shit. i saw one foreman show and i was like what the fuck yeah 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 yeah, yeah it was yeah, like yeah, it was like yeah. you, you your brain's trying to get you know figure out what it's about and then you realize like nah don't you know just take it in yeah, you know yeah, let yeah, it happen just be there man <laughs> just be there he's there controlling the lights like a puppet master it's yeah, crazy man it's great but i i i uh I really dug that in it and and I think that you know, I'm 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 enormously grateful to the time in Russia and I think that's where well, I what, how does that happen? So like yeah, so Alma Becker mm-hmm. yeah, and in what you know, what acting tools or what were you learning? What was the approach to the craft at, 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 with her? With initially her, you, you know she was she was she, I, I think more than anything else when i think about alma she just there was a vitality to it it was vital it yeah. was unbelievably and deeply important and i i mean look the way that it kind of literally sparked for me yeah and and uh i i hate fucking i feel like such a douchebag repeating myself because i've told this story before but I, i'm told right. it to you so um the way that it kind of all started is one of the first uh, exercises that we had to do in that class before I had any idea that this was something I wanted to do. Everybody yeah. had to bring in something that mattered to them and right. share it with the rest of the class, you know, like a game of fucking show and tell. Yeah. And I get there and the first girl, she has a Blues Traveler CD and she's, she's talking to the rest of the class about how her boyfriend gave her this Blues Traveler CD and she's crying her fucking eyes out. <laughs> and I'm like, this is the craziest girl I've ever seen. You know, why is this CD so fucking important to right. her? And, you know, for 15 minutes she's going on about it. And then the next person... With a teddy bear, the same shit. And I'm like, I, I just cannot believe how important this shit is. But it's slowly dawning on me that in this fucking circle, it's going to come to me. And I didn't bring anything. I got nothing, you know? And did like, you have your baseball hat? Well, what I did have, actually, I was going to baseball practice right afterwards. I was a catcher, so I had my catcher's glove. Yeah. So I get my glove. And I just launch into this fucking story about how my mother had given me this glove on her deathbed. Did she? No. And, no, you, she's alive and well in D.C., <laughs> man. You right, know what right, I mean? Yeah. And I'm just lying my fucking ass off. But I look around the room and everyone is crying their fucking eyes out. I'm crying my eyes out. It's like this. And and, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on, man. This is just the acting, you know? Yeah. And, and Alma... She took Did me you aside. Did to it? I copped to it to Alma. Uh-huh. And, 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 and Alma... Really, for for all the shit I had done in my life, yeah. she made me. I just felt fucking awful about it. But I, I think it was because I'd never exposed myself like that, and 
she, what she said is you need to come audition for my play. That was kind of my punishment. And, and I did. And, uh, you know, it was with all these, you know, older theater majors who took it so seriously and lived it. And, uh, they really, you know, they really welcomed me in and they saw something in me. And then, you know, Alma really, it, I think above all else, there was just, she just, it was so, you know, she's this beautiful actor who came out of San Francisco, was in a bunch of shepherd plays, you know, original shepherd plays out of the magic theater in San Francisco. But this, did you ever this, play Lee? I I did uh, Fool for Love and I did uh, True West. I did I didn't do True West. Oh. No, I did Fool for Love yeah. and I did uh, Cowboy Mouth. Oh, yeah. Cowboy yeah. Mouth. Yeah, yeah. We did we did uh, scenes from it. I did the the whole play of Fool for Love. Oh. but um, but that's interesting to me. That still I, I get I'm a little hung up on the the uh, the bullshit impact mm-hmm. in the way that uh, that like you know you're seeing these people and your brain just sort of like what the fuck like and then you go just make up something full fucking bore. But it, it does connect with you. And you do have the feelings. That's it. So, so I imagine the sense of being a natural actor is that if you could pull that off, like, like I guess my question is in that class, uh-huh. that you feel like you you got vulnerable, but you were still making something up. Was there a point where, you know, you were able to access, you know, really who you you were in the sense with true stories and stuff? You know, I don't know that I said anything that was truthful in that class. <laughs> I do remember, I remember there's one part specifically where I just, and you know, now even thinking about it, it's so fucking ridiculous, but how my brother and I yeah. would go and have a catch and think about mom, which right. is such a, it's like such a perverse thought, but because right. it's so thought out. Right. But you know, the way that we would do, and I remember break and, but, but seeing it and believing in it. And 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 having this kind of out of body experience and yeah. saying I want more of this. Yeah, right, man. right, I right, want right, this. right. This is all right, right. You know, and and uh, it wasn't. You know, I had been in situation where situations where I'm talking to a principal or an administrator where I'm lying through my teeth, and if I got over on him, I'd walk out and be like, "Got him," you know, like yeah, got right, through yeah, yeah. The bullet dodge. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I but I had also remember times. I remember, I remember being a young kid and taken into the principal's office because I, I like sixth grade, I had a switchblade and yeah. I had, you know, done something, pulled it on a kid, some shit. And, and I remember the, the principal asking me about that and I had it in my pocket yeah. and, you know, breaking down in tears, being like, I yeah. would never do that. And it's right there, you know, like burning <laughs> a hole in my pocket. And, uh, I don't know. There was something different about, I, I didn't feel like it was as much as, you know, duping anybody. I felt maybe what it was, was my mom who had always said, Hey man, you have this, you can do this. And for the first time saying, you know, maybe, maybe right. I, I kind of can. But it's sort of funny to me because I've talked to a lot of actors and, a lot, and some of them will just, you know, basically say you're, pre- it's pretending. It's, mm-hmm. That's what you're doing. You're, yeah. and you're believing pretending. it fully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think so. And then <laughs> I think then through, diving diving all in the way that I did from that point on. Well, what was the Russia thing? How does that happen? I never heard that before. She just says, go to Russia? I mean, yeah, what was in yeah. Russia? The Moscow Art Theater. Uh, uh, the Moscow Art Theater. So I, I, I moved. Uh, um, I, I lived in a place called Park Kultori, which is Gorky Park. They had um, a program for what? You were, what, second year of college? Or? No, no, it wasn't a college program. It was just part of the Moscow Art Theater. So you dropped of out of school? Or you? Yeah, I was done, yeah. Dropped out and uh, uh, went to Russia. And she was supportive uh, of that? Big time. Big time. She was my advisor too. Alma yeah. was. So Alma you dropped out as a sophomore? Uh junior. Uh-huh. Yep, junior year. And you go to year. Russia. That's right. You told your parents 
I want to do this thing, and they're this like, "This is what I want to do." All yeah. right. There was uh, pro baseball over there. I got on a pro baseball team, played a little bit of baseball. Uh, I, what do you I, mean? I, just uh, you, you found out in town where the pro baseball was? A, it? Uh, it was part of the European Professional Baseball Federation. Well, I, I'm not you, even sure how I found that, but school school there was was uh, ridiculously uh, all encompassing. You know, how long were you there? I was there the first time. I was there uh, a little over a year, and what? then. I went back because uh, ART, there's a, Harvard's got a graduate school for acting. They take their students to Russia to get taught for like a, you know, for right, like so a semester. Well, 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 like, so you're in Russia the first time. You're uh, playing pro ball mm-hmm. in Russia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Is there a baseball card to you? No, Russia? definitely uh, not. The, no, no. A Russian baseball card would be very great. Would be awesome. That'd yeah, be, yeah, yeah. be awesome. But uh, so all encompassing. So what do you mean? What is the training? So this is like a, because this is where. I, I believe probably at least in Russia where some of the, the big thinkers of, of modern acting it's everything, man. happened. Yeah. You, 100%. Right? Yeah, it's Chekhov's Theater, Stanislavski's Theater, Meyerhold, uh, Michael Chekhov. Uh, you yeah. went to the theater and, you know, you're talking about a place where, you know, and, and, and my teacher's kind of coming out of this 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 world where you, you you know all public gathering in 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 russia was was outlawed you know yeah. there were state sanctioned theaters the moscow art theater being one of them uh but you know you had you had shows that were sanctioned by the state but once the government would start to sort of figure out hey this 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 artist that we're celebrating that's doing these pro russian plays there's actually something a little bit behind it there yeah. i don't know if we like this anymore and all of a sudden these guys were getting assassinated and sent to siberia artists you know yeah. Meyerhold, a great brilliant director of the moscow yeah. art theater was assassinated in his in his apartment for being um, subversive Right, and and at one time completely celebrated by the state. It was right. just a difference of opinion, you yeah, know. And yeah. and you know my teachers, you know they came from, you, you know, one of my teachers, Igor. He, uh, you know, to avoid the war in Afghanistan, he pretended to be crazy and lived three years in an insane asylum. Uh, I, I th- my my three teachers. That's Igor, a real. That's a real commitment to a role, brother. Igor, <laughs> Sergey, and Roman. They, the three best friends, they all went to school together and they would do this play in secret called Cinzano. And basically what they would do is they would do it in subway tunnels and in different locations all around Moscow. And people would go and see it during communist times. And if they had got caught, they would have all been arrested. Right. And it was a play that just continued and continued and continued. With them or with others? Always with them. Yeah. But when you think about the vitality, that thing that Alma was talking about, about how important this is and to take it so seriously yeah. and what is, on, uh, what is at stake, I think for me, a kind of... Uh, rough and you know i thought of myself as this big bad tough guy from dc to go to moscow in the late 90s and to to be taught by these motherfuckers who you know and to be in a city where you talk about dangerous you talk about alive you talk about wild you were I out mean, badass oh my god man oh my god i mean i learned very very quick that i was not in kansas anymore but you know at, at the same time you know there was such a reverence for 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 the arts there well like you know? what what was the uh, program cuz like mm-hmm. what what strikes me is that you know when you get the american method you know you you know these there there's a these all these middlemen you, mm-hmm. you know sure. like uda hagen and and uh and uh, Meisner, Meisner, and, and the and other one, Strasburg, the group theater, yeah, the group, group theater, yeah. all that, that whole. Group. But they they were taking, you mm-hmm. know, I think maybe Strasburg had met with with Stanislavski. It was based on one tour of the show. So they, yeah. they their first show was the Seagull, and uh, which and, one, and, the group theater or who? Uh, Moscow Art Theater. Okay. So that and uh, yeah, I got this tattoo here for it. It's like so. So that's the symbol of the Moscow Art Theater. It's a, so so basically the first show that they did was called the Seagull. Yeah. Uh, you know, Chekhov wrote yeah. it obviously, and Stanislavski directed it and acted in it. And they took this 
play on a world tour through England, Paris, and then through New York, Chicago, LA, and San Francisco. And it was just that for the first time, actors, you know, not standing on the foot of the stage proclaiming to the audience, but for the first time really talking to each other and wow, they're really drinking tea. And that motherfucker just turned his back to the audience. And that, you know, this this realism, naturalism, realism, whatever you want to call it, it, it drove, it, 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 drove people crazy and and, that, and and then it was all about how do we now sit down how do we get this little bit of time that we have with this guy how do we translate his books take the information that he has and make it our own and 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 what i think is uh look man i, I i'm i'm definitely no 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 expert you, you know but I, I you know to me i think that is the process of coming up with an acting method we all have to have our own sure and it's all about taking in as much fucking information as we can and then figuring out what works for us and i think that's exactly what those guys did you know but you were there sort of at the source like the people that you were working with were kind of direct legacies of that i think so i i I mean yeah i mean they all but but what was really interesting is there was no one method from them look you have to do acrobatics you have to do ballet like what do you mean acrobatics so that's like in uh trapeze um no it's no it's not that kind of acrobatics yeah it's it's more about getting to be completely de- de- training your body to you know walk on your hands to be able to do things with partners to yeah. lift people and to be able to, ma- to 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 make performance just out of body movement right, right. to use props in a way clowning that you can, all that kind of stuff yes uh-huh. yes and then ballet as well you know with the, the, we would have a Bolshoi ballerina she would come in she would and it, this how, was, how are this you was, at the ballet you get pretty good I was all right I, I would be terrible now yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've not kept up with it no yeah. one's asking you to yeah, no, no. use your ballet chops not, not, no I'm, I'm waiting for <laughs> that phone call to ring <laughs> next role yeah, yeah you're gonna it. switch it up man Black you're Swan. gonna be the morally corrupt bloody guy for your entire career <laughs> oh gonna... shit man <laughs> shit help <laughs> so all right so you're doing all that and you're doing plays in moscow yeah doing doing plays in moscow i mean it's interesting in the in the in the first the, in in the first sort of section in the first year i mean the way the way that Ru- russian theater training works it's it's quite different i mean first of all the teachers, the highest honor you can get as a as a as an actor in Russia yeah. is to be a teacher. Right. So my teacher, you know, Oleg Tabakov, that would be like, you know, Robert De Niro or Philip Seymour Hoffman. That he's the teacher. You know, there's it's absolute reverence. It's such an honor to do it. It's not one of these things where, you know, if it doesn't really work out, you can you're not working out of a strip mall in West <laughs> West Hollywood. That's right. That's right. right. No, that doesn't exist there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a small black box situation. Yeah, seven which, other people. Which hey, God bless him. Yeah, you know, but you know, it's it's very different. There and and I think it's it's look it's it's very brutal it's very cutthroat but it's extremely honest so you know there's a huge audition process and then when you get into the school they cut the the class in half every year. How many were English speaking when I was there? Yeah. Uh, when I was there, none. I mean, there was one girl from England. Uh, there was so one you're girl just from training England. in Russian? Yeah, but you had a, I had a translator. I had oh. a translator for yeah, they they provide a translator if you get into the that's school. crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was wonderful and i was at the theater every night seeing plays in russian understanding every fucking thing because it was uh, it was so clear people were playing their actions so clearly and uh i mean really man uh, overall you know there was a there was a I, I, for lack of a better word, there's a there's sort of just a masculinity to to to, to being an actor there and an artist there uh-huh. that for me at that time in my life really really resonated with because me. it wasn't based in in like uh, outlaw bullshit. 
It was masculinity based in arts. Fuck yeah. And and instead of sort of this coddling kind of, hey, we can do no wrong, come come to the theater department yeah. where, you know, yes, we're all great and wow, beautiful. Yeah. It was, you're not good at this, get the fuck out. You're good at this, work harder. And, right. and uh, I really responded to it. It was, it was much more athletic. It was much more cutthroat. Uh, and it really, really, it really, really worked with me. And, and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, will always be grateful to the, to it and to yeah. All. yeah so like so when you come back from Russia the first time then you end up at Harvard yeah so they t- took their students over there to get taught by these Russian masters they saw me in a show and they asked me the Harvard guys yeah, the they're ART like, wanna, yeah they're like you want to come to Harvard I was like shit man I didn't even finish yeah like I'll me to Harvard. Yeah, just to yeah, say I'll, I went to Harvard just tell my old man I go to Harvard like you know what I mean I can stop after that you know what I mean yeah right and uh yeah and and you know I had uh I I had been playing baseball with a bunch of guys who you know some south boston guys Southie. crazy motherfuckers yeah. man and and so i lived with these guys while i was if you went to harvard living with guys from south boston brother, put, yeah i mean yeah. Oh, and a bunch and, of Wahlbergs. oh dude dude uh, <laughs> uh yeah. and and uh you, you know so that was a crazy experience i lived up there those guys you, are rough yeah big time yeah. Man. big time crazy so you had a new crazy. crew oh yeah T- totally new crew and i was kind of you know i still and i still stupidly kind of had one foot out one foot sure. in one foot out but i knew as as far as this 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 acting thing was good, that 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 was it for me. Well, that's, that's funny about that one foot because if you got the right guys going, come on, that's will it, you man. come on? That's like, that's all it. right, that's it. that's it. But what was crazy is all my friends always, you know, whether they were athlete friends or criminal friends or whatever, through my whole life, they always supported me doing this, and they always, you know, I, I'll never forget when my baseball team, when my college baseball team saw me in my first show in the Scarlet Letter, they all came. And they all say, hey, man, you suck at baseball compared to this. Like, you can do this, man. And that felt, that really, you they know, there was never, it. yeah, and there was yeah. never this sort of thing of like, oh, you're a, uh, and Pussy. I think, they, yeah, none of that shit, man. Yeah. I never, that, that never happened. Never happened. So, like, uh, but though, the thing I was going to ask you, where, where's your Jewish roots from? Are they Russian? Yeah. Wait, I'm, what kind of Jew are you at this point? N- never, I mean, you know, man. Were you bar mitzvah? No, no. Oh, no. so, oh, really? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm bad. Yeah, I'm bad. And, but and, was it an option or your family just didn't give a shit? Uh, I think I could, if I wanted to do it. But were your I brothers? My, my, one of my brothers was, hmm. you know, and, and I think that, you know, for me, I just, yeah, it was not even on the radar. Were you fascinated you know? at all with the genealogy of you and in, in being in Russia or did you have any connection that way? Did you see people that look it, like you kind of, or you know, I guess were, most of the Jews been pushed yeah, out. Brother. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, they not did not. Many. I mean, I, honestly, I, I, I was fascinated by being in Russia. I was yeah. fascinated, but you know, that place was such a, I mean, it was while I was there. It was it was the Wild West, and right. I think that you know the the brutality and the danger things that always really fascinated. Yeah. You know, there were shootouts sure. at the door that was while your I was religion. There. Yeah, that was my th- mm-hmm. th- so that I was just like holy shit. But at the same time, again, I think this you know you get on the subway there and you got people reading Bogolkov and Tolstoy. It's not Us Weekly and fucking people. You know, like yeah. there's this absolute reverence and respect for, for the arts and for literature and for Russian actors and Russian... You know, my, my, my best friend there is this guy named Dima who, you know, I, I lived in this really shitty part of town called Park Kultori and every night when I'd walk home, 
him and his buddies, they would be like drinking a two liter bottle of vodka and they, they call me Bloodhound Gang because they said I look like the guy from Bloodhound Gang. They just make fun of me every every night. And one night I saw him in a fight with a couple skinheads and there were three of them and one of him and for some reason I decided to go help the guy out. For some and, reason you're like, yeah, finally. <laughs> no, nah, no, no, not at all, man. I'm not, you know. But like I helped him out and, and he and I became really close. Yeah. He was just this guy who, he's basically this street kid, but he knew every member of the Moscow Art Theater. He knew everything that was at the at the Bolshoi. You know, he, he he went to the Taganka Theater. He he was it was just that was his thing. The, yeah, 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 yeah. But but it was like that was the thing there. It was yeah. not like this kind of highbrow. You know, the theater was not for right. rich subscribers who are all falling asleep during shows. It was you know, vital, it was like you're saying, fucking vital, vital man. Yeah. And you know, there's not a single free seat at any theater. People, there's no fire code, so people are sitting on the steps, and people have to get in there, and the the, the seats are enormously cheap and you know just the way of doing you know when you do a when you do a show in Russia you, the way it works is you decide to do the play and then you rehearse it open ended until the director says it's time to go up but when you were acting you were speaking english when yeah. i was at, yeah i mean i i did i did some scene work and you know after a while i started to pick it up and i i, I got okay but the the scene work that i did and the plays that I did, I, I would act in English, yeah. So when you go to Harvard, mm-hmm. now ART, like I know that area. I lived mm-hmm. in Boston for years. So like uh, that's Harvard Square at that mm-hmm. time before it was sort of gutted of its personality. You still had the Tasty where you could get a hamburger yeah. on the corner, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. All night. Yeah. But uh, but that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> but you could always go to Somerville or wherever. But yeah. uh, So like what were you... Did you stand out there? I mean, because I, I th- it seems to me that, like, in terms of your disposition, you're pretty unique in acting in general. I mean, did you find that that uh, you were uh, different than the rest of them when you were at Harvard? Yeah, mm-hmm. big time. Yeah, big time. I think even more so. I think I think the only play the the place where I felt sort of the most kinship or the more the most where the other actors were sort of like me was in Russia. You know, where right. the, the I, I, it was really. Which was crazy because a lot of the people in Russia were like, you know, from the from the mountains, you know, and they yeah, had their whole 16 people, uh, their 60, 16 people in their family living in their little dorm room eating off hot plots, off, off of hot plates, yeah. you know, nothing like me. But yeah, I but, felt such a kinship with them that, you know, I have nothing the same as you. It's all on the line. And like, you know, it wasn't the case. So what did you do at ART? Uh, Which plays? What? Oh, man, I did a lot. Yeah, I did a lot. You know, we did... Uh, we did um, Marat Saad uh, with this great Hungarian director. You know, ART is a really cool theater because yeah. it's real director driven, and, right. and uh, you know, it's it's always you know uh, classic plays with 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 real contemporary takes and great great directors. So you know, Robert Woodruff and Janos Saz and Yuri Yuriman came over from Russia, and we got to go back to Russia, but this time as an ART student. So all of a sudden, you're in clean rooms and locked oh, doors, really? and you're you. I, I saw a whole other side of Moscow, the sort of the western side of it, which I. I did not like nearly as much, but uh, it was great to kind of go back and be the guy that had been there and to sort of take all these kids through and uh, y- you know, like I, I, it was my home. At yeah, that you point. knew Russia. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I was really, you know, it's strange. I, I, when we landed in Russia as an ART student, I remember just landing at uh, Shermtevo, the the airport there, and I just, you know, for no for no reason at all, I just, I, I just kind of broke down in tears, you know, and I wasn't. 
you know, and I just kind of hid and, and, uh, the place just, um, the place really is my heart, man. And, and, uh, um, you know, I loved it. I loved it there. It's amazing. So, so you studied at Harvard for a couple of years. Yeah. And then, um, I started doing all the shows there and then, uh, you know, you do like a showcase to get agents and all that yeah. stuff. And that, that's sort of like the at ART. At ART. Yeah. yeah. Well, you go to New York and right. you do it. So, uh, you know, I got my agent and then I, I boned out. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I you didn't finish. Out. I didn't, you know, it was really one of those things that was, I thought when I was I, I this is no offense to my 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 fellow classmates there but you know you know there's a lot of great people in that class yeah. people I got really really close with um I I really thought that when I got into that school and that I was going to that school, that I was really going to be, like in Moscow, I was going to be with the best of the best. Right. And then when I saw everybody and I saw... It, it really wasn't wasn't the case. I mean, and the competition some people that, wasn't as they, they, well, I just thought, wow, we're going to have yeah. two years of people right. who just, you know, we're all we're going to do is just make the greatest shit ever, and we're yeah. all going to dive into this, and we're all going to want this so bad. And it's really not what I found. And then what I started to see in the second year, you know, a lot of the kids were sort of saying, hey, this isn't fair. You know, some people are getting more roles than others. Right. And it was just this 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 shit that I I just couldn't yeah. I, I just couldn't wrap my head around, especially after my experience in Russia, which yeah. is a total meritocracy. You know, and, yeah. and and so what I did is I snuck out of school one day. You can never miss, but I snuck. I, I, I called in sick, and I snuck down to D.C. and auditioned for uh, uh, um, This Is Our Youth. They were doing it at the uh, studio theater, the Kenny Lonergan play. Yeah. And I got the – and so I went back to my school, and I said, hey, listen, I – you know, like I know we have another semester, but I got this play, and I think I can get more out of going to do this play. And and they actually were really cool about it. They were, they they said they understood, and they they wished me well. And the truth is, I couldn't have gotten a degree from there anyway because I didn't have a college right. degree. So it was it it all okay. worked out. And yeah, and, uh, yeah. And then I did that, and then and and then um, went straight to doing a play at the Ontological with my old theater company. And then I started to uh, slowly but surely started to work in in film and TV, which I really. But how long? What, what did, you, did you like? Were you living in New York? Yeah. Yeah, living in New York, uh, I didn't really have a you know my first my first sort of half year in New York didn't even have a place to stay. I was kind of couch surfing and were you doing I, like little shitty plays and, or not shitty plays but little kind of like uh, off Broadway kind of stuff? Yeah, or? well, I was doing stuff. I, you know, we did Arturo Ui, the the Breck play uh, with, with with my theater company. It was right. At oh, the you had time. a theater company. The same theater company. Oh, the guys from, from Skidmore. Yeah, because yeah, they they had moved down to New York and they had oh, now okay. they they've got this theater called the Bushwick Star. But this was Bushwick back in you know. Back in the 90s, uh, you know, it was a very, very different place. And my theater company was sort what of was the it first called? people. It's called Fovia Floods Theater Company. Uh-huh. This uh, uh, genius uh, writer-director named Josh Chambers yeah. would write all his own plays and choreograph them and then went on to direct plays in um, in, in Europe. And uh, he was a Cal Arts director and then... You know, he kind of, you know, drugs and all kinds of stuff. Lost it. Uh, yeah, he's still around? Super, he is, and, 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 and it's tough. You know, he's, uh, you know, crazy things have sort of been going on with him. And, uh-huh. and he, he's literally, have, I can say, 100% to this day of all the brilliant people I've worked with, he was the most brilliant. He's yeah. like the best artist uh, I've ever worked with in my life. And he was just one of those guys who just, you know, he would stay up all night and write a book. You right. know, he would write music. You know, he's <laughs> yeah. a filing scholar, like uh, one of the best classical guitarists in the he, country. Just like, it's just too, you know, too crumbled. much going on big time, man, big uh, time to everything. And, and uh, but man, you know, it was such a beautiful thing we had because there was like 16 of us living in this warehouse space in Bushwick rehearsing all day then putting our shows up at the ontological in the in the city and then rehearsing four more plays and just eating together and training together and uh it was really a 
beautiful kind of pure thing. And right about at that time was when I started to get these sort of like guest spots, you know, my law and order spots. And I felt like it was such a betrayal and such. I can't imagine going from that to sort of like this set of law and order. Fuck, man. Or even just to audition for that shit. And, and, you know, this thing that was so pure and so what I had knew in my heart, this is what, this is, you know, I wanted. This is what makes me feel alive. This is it, man. And, and, you know, what I wanted more than anything. Life crazy theater. I wanted the Wooster group, man. Oh, yeah, right. He's my hero. He's like, that's what I wanted. And, you know, if I ended up doing movies down the road, fine. Did you ever go over there? My center. I would, yeah, I would, I would watch shows there. But did you ever you try know? to get in? You know, I, we were so busy with our stuff that, you know, we always had something going on. Um, but yeah. So how'd you kind of justify or rationalize? Fully betray my own well, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, what was well, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, what, what was the thinking around, you know, accepting that mm-hmm. as the, the way your life was going to go? Yeah, I mean, I think the rationale behind it was uh, they were doing a Lanford Wilson play in New York, the fifth of July. Yeah. Uh Parker Posey was in it and, and uh Eben Moss Backrack and uh David Harbour and Robert Sean Leonard and Harbour's uh, out there. Fuck yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. It, and and I my my gig in the show yeah. was to be the ma- it was right when I got out of school. I yeah. was the male understudy. So I got to learn all the parts, go watch these guys every single night. And um, and then do these sort of understudy rehearsals where yeah. I would play all all I think four of the male parts. Yeah. And you know what I saw was that you know the people what I really wanted to do was I really wanted to do serious theater in New York. And I saw Parker Posey and I saw what she was doing and I saw that people were coming to the theater to see her and I I, I sort of strategically you know was telling myself at the time the only way I'm going to be able to do this. Is if people is if I have a career and know who I am. It's the only way. It's the yeah. only way you get these these parts. And yeah. I'm looking around like that's that's who's doing it. Like every fucking show is a guy from right. They from have a profile, but Something. they also know how to do theater. They, exactly. But like you, you know, for me at that point, I had done so much of it. I you know whether it was stupid or not in my mind, I wasn't the least bit worried about that. But, right. So I I decided to kind of go after that full full force right to yeah. to become a, a a recognized actor in the bigger picture so you could draw on the theater i think so i mean yeah. i think at first it was just sort of like let's go after these you know guest star spots and let's let's really pour into those things well yeah then, how did you pour into those i mean how did how, how does that become satisfying for a guy like you i mean i do tv now and mm-hmm. it's like there's a lot of waiting and mm-hmm. you you know you're you're actually acting for about you know, two minutes at a time, sure. if not less. Sure. So sure. how does how does that satisfy you? How do you wrap your brain or make your brain think that that's satisfying? Well, I think it was uh, deeply naive and and uh, just, uh, you know, kind of pathetic, to be honest with you, to sort of think that you have a kind of understanding of something that you have literally no experience which in. Which is what? Which is TV? acting in front of a camera. Oh, oh right. Okay. And, and I think that, you know, for me, once I got out there and I started doing it oh. and I ended up doing this... Uh, I ended up doing this this little independent film uh, called Day Zero with with uh, um, Lizzie Moss was in it and Ginny Goodwin and Elijah Wood and and uh, Chris Klein and and uh, I remember I I had gone to the audition for this thing uh, to 
to they were only seeing people for like hot dog vendor number one or <laughs> you know and and i kind of went into the audition i love this script and i love this character so much and i went to alma and she and i had worked on it together and i learned the whole script and when i came in they said what role are you auditioning for and i said dixon was the the, the lead and they said well, okay well we're not auditioning people for that and i said well look i've got some stuff prepared can i just show you what i'm thinking they said all right what scene do you want to do and i said i know the whole script so sort of as a you know just to test me they were right. like all right let's start at the beginning and we ended up doing it and they ended up casting me and uh I, I i fell in love with this process you know the guy like lived on top of a roof so i moved into the you know i did all the sort Methody of st- stuff. stupid young young actor bullshit and and uh you know i how I, long did you live on top of a roof for the whole shoot you know yeah <laughs> And, and, uh, you know, it was just one of those things where there was a strategy to it and there was, uh, there, there, there was, uh, a different way of thinking about acting way of thinking, man, that I absolutely fell in love with. And I said, wow, there's so much to learn here. This is so, there's so much potential here. It's so electric. And I think for me, like exactly what you say that, you know, our whole thing now as actors is to hone our lives and to, to, to position ourselves emotionally, physically in every way, just for these few seconds between action and cut, that's the game. Like that's the, and, and that, that is totally invigorating for me and exciting to me. Okay. You know? So, but what about, okay, you've done your three minutes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now, uh, okay, we're going to, uh, switch out a lens. We're going to, we're going to move the cameras. Mm-hmm. What do you do in that time? Well, So you have a choice, right? Yeah. You can either, and 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 I think that that's the th- the sort of thing when we get back to, you know, Stanislavski and all this shit. What's to your stay method? in it or What's not? Your, right. To stay in it or not? And and it's all for me. It's about proximity to whatever that heat is, and whether that is just, you know, you need to be fully relaxed and fully engaged with the person you're in the scene with, or do you need to be close to this fire inside you to be where you think this person needs well, to be? Well, with something like The Punisher, which mm-hmm. you know, like I, I hadn't watched, and I'm like, well, I, I better I better watch it. So I watched episode one, and then uh-huh. like last night, I'm I'm on six, and I'm like uh-huh. I got real into it. I, uh-huh. I think that that guy, the Punisher as a character, I, I I dig, but like something like that. So you're shooting that thing that seems to be heavily uh, require a lot out of you. Yeah. I mean, so I, like when you're de- when you're not shooting during that, are you like are you staying in it? Yeah, I think I, I yeah, and I think the more that you do it, the more you kind of know your body, and you know it. you right. you know you know what it is. But yeah, d- definitely in the beginning, and definitely when I when I took the role on, big time. Especially, I think it was a real privilege to be able to do it at first. I, I when I started playing it, uh, the Daredevil it, it was on suit? Daredevil, yeah. right? So like you know when you're not number one right. guy on the call sheet, yeah. you can sort of just be the guy in the corner pacing, and yeah. and and nobody's coming up to you and asking you. You know, it, it it's a little bit different when you're. You know, I've 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 really been lucky to work with, you know, really great leads in my life, and I really, you know, like Emily Blunt or, or DiCaprio or Brad Pitt, got people who are, you know, unbelievably welcoming, and part of the job is is making people feel comfortable. I so, think and, like, what, so that 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 was that would that's the challenge for me yeah. as far as doing the the you know how do you stay how do you control your proximity to the character yeah. while also taking care of the people, taking care of the crew to being there, be, yeah. be, being a decent guy, being a decent guy and being accessible because, right. because, uh, I've, I've, I've been the guy who just shows up for the day yeah. and, and I want everybody who's there to feel, hey, hey man, you can, you can explore here. You can go big here. You can go for it. You yeah. can feel yeah. comfortable, have ideas. Like, and you look, it's Marvel, man. You know, you got a million fucking cooks. And so I, I, it's really important for me, for, for the artists and for the crew to feel supported and, sure. and, uh, and that's that's kind of the challenge. That's kind of the challenge there with that. Right? So you're doing these bit parts, you know, New York, and you're doing the guest shots that mm-hmm. everyone does in New York. And uh, what was the first movie outside of the independent one? 
The first movie that yeah. I did? I think the first the first sort of bigger movie that I did was uh, World Trade Center. Oh, yeah. Which was, which was, which was crazy, a crazy I kind of like that movie, though. Yeah, it was. It was it, heavy, right? You know, it was very heavy, but, you know, it was five years after, you know, when yeah. we did it. It was, uh, you know, but I think that that was sort of my first experience especially with a with with a big budget movie of of, of what's possible in terms yeah. of research you know right, and it, right. oliver stone is you know extremely into that and uh you know i played this guy small part but you know a guy named chris amoroso who uh left the the, the youngest widow of, of all the first responders his wife uh, jamie his daughter sophia was one um he's a guy who was at the bus terminal, was at Port Authority, was a, uh, they, they called them BT dogs, and uh, that morning got stationed at World Trade Center and was super pissed off about it because nothing ever happens at World Trade Center. And he went up that day, he went up uh, to where the planes hit, he grabbed a woman, carried her down, something fell on him and he sliced off half of his ear, he carried her to safety all the way down. When he got down exhausted, covered in blood, there's this picture of Chris, he saw his best friends all coming in from, because they had just come from the bus terminal, he set her down, got her to safety and went back up and never made it out. And, you know, it was a real, you, you know, when I, when I got cast in that, you know, I, I I wrote his uh, I wrote his uh, widow Jamie. I wrote wrote her this letter, just, just just sort of asking permission to be a part of it, and 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 you know inviting her to be as much of a process as memorializing you know any bit of truth that she could add about yeah. Chris would be great. And you know the studio kind of shut that. They're like, look, kid, <laughs> you're in like two scenes in this movie. Like you know, it's very 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 delicate the relationship with the widows, and um, it was it was all you know enormously fresh. And I think that there is a whole component of that movie where which i which i found super truthful where in the script every time these guys were going into the building the one thing that was uniform among all of them all cell phone services was stopped you couldn't call anybody yeah so all they would say is hey man if i don't make it out of here you tell jamie that i hey you tell chris you tell and and all of that as a whole because it was so delicate and I don't know whether how it was handled, but all of that got pulled out. Basically all of the widows said, Hey, we don't want our names mentioned in this, all of the, and um, it changed it drastically. And I was really sort of sad that I couldn't, you know, reach Jamie. Right. But you know, Oliver, one of the things that, you know, he's sort of famous for and he's so brilliant at is, you know, he, he had us there a month and a half before. And he said, look, he brought us to the bus terminal. I met all Chris's friends, Officer Fairbanks, Sergeant Finney, and he said, you can spend as much time as these guys as you want. And I started going out with these guys every single fucking day, and we became like this, and they told me all this shit about Chris. And as a surprise at the end, they connected me with her. And, uh, you know, we, it was, uh, it was such, a, such a cool honor. And, you know, I, I, I think, you know, that's really what was the beginning for me and what's carried me over in terms of what I really, really love about this this business and this job and what I'm so grateful for is uh, the folks that I get to meet, man, in, in, in the research and the people that open up. And, and, you know, it doesn't, you know, whether it's a, a soldier or a teacher or, or any, you know, people who invite you into their lives and this, this desire that I think is really in everybody to have their stories told and, and to be told authentically for, yeah. with, with the bruises and the ugliness 
included. Uh, it, it's such an honor, and it's something. It's such a treasure if if, if you get if you somebody get to, do, to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. Did, was she? How did she feel about your performance? Do you know? Yeah, yeah. She was great, man. You know, she 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 reached out. We 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 always sort of communicated on Christmas for some reason. Um, but she you know said really kind things. And, oh, that's nice. You know, I, you know, I didn't didn't really do enough in the movie to you right. know, make it make a crazy impact. Right. But right. you know, I I always you know in in the little bit of publicity I did for the movie, I always talked about her and uh-huh. about Sophia. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And with uh, like with Wolf, like, and I imagine like working with these guys. I don't know who the I can't remember who you were directly working with on on uh, on that movie. But like in Wolf of Wall Street, I mean, mm-hmm. you you were one of the guys, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, the outsider, the the drug dealer. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I mean, I imagine when you work with and you worked with Pitt on Fury, mm-hmm. was that it? Mm-hmm. That you you know you do learn from them, you know, Big watching time. how they handle themselves, and and you know, like I just did a scene with Mark Wahlberg, uh-huh. and like. For some reason, I'm always I always speak at this level. <laughs> like I'm always on you know speaking at, at on stage level. Sure. And uh, and I'm I'm doing a scene with him, and he's like he's he's like yeah okay man. He's like he's I'm like and then I, and then there's that moment where you realize like I don't have to shout, mm-hmm. you know. But but I also realize like but I shout all the time. It's right, just right, it's right. who I am. Right, do, right, right. do I have to start worrying about like maybe I should try talking like I never talk, which is a, a normal level. Right. Right. But right. uh but I but there's just little things that you that you pick up and, and sure. like yeah. Uh, like in talking to and just watching those guys work because those guys like Pitt's a really pretty amazing actor. Brilliant man. <laughs> you Brilliant. Know? I mean, they, 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 I mean, I, I kind of feel like they all are. I mean, I feel like you're there, you know, for a reason. You know, I just, I just did this movie with, uh, with Matt Damon and oh, he's um, the best. Christian Bale. Yeah, man. Oh my and god. Like, uh, the, the, and 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 a totally different kind of part for me. And you know, I play play Lee Iacocca in this movie. Uh, Mango so they movie. fatten you up and they balded you. Well, it's 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 Lee. It's you know it's it's in the sixties. Oh, the young takes Lee place in, Yeah, in sixty six. But um, you know, I look. You know, and I've always been such an enormous fan of 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 Matt's. Yeah. But but God, and like a lot of my stuff, it was with him and Tracy Letts. Who, oh, by the way, was on the show. I was love Letts. The best. He's the he's the I best, love coolest him. motherfucker on earth. Yeah. Uh, but you know. Uh, you know, Matt it is so damn good. Like he's so damn good, and like such a good person, and an open person, an honest person. And you know, I think you said it, man. It's it's learning from them across the board. You know, and, and well, how does a guy like you get smaller? <laughs> you know, man. I think that I, I, I look. I, I think part of it is you gotta you, you gotta be confident enough to. And I think this is probably the boxer in me, and this is probably this is something where that stuff really. You still box? I, I do. Yeah, I'll always box. And I, and I, I think for me, it's how do like, we look, miss that part we, of the story? How long have you been know. boxing? Oh man. Uh, 25 oh yeah yeah years yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, I, yeah yeah that guy sean that i was telling about we came up together yeah and and uh but but you know i think that you have to you you at the end of the day when you get in there you have to remember hey man everybody puts on their pants one leg at a time yeah like that that's a man, oh yeah of course man. and and, yeah. and you know it's not you know i think if you go in you know but uh but watching their choices you know watching their action watching their choices watching how they handle themselves both on set and off you, you know and and look every each one of them is different and 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 sometimes but but I, I all these people that you mentioned and and you know DiCaprio definitely in there as as well you know these are all people that that are just staggering human beings well know? now the DiCaprio the, the character in Wolf was that was a real guy mm-hmm. did you go meet that guy 
well, my, the guy who I played had passed, oh. but the guy who uh, Leo played, yeah, he was, you know, but Scorsese's interesting. He doesn't like the real people to be around. You know, yeah. he likes to get the story. And then he, you know, that was just, that was the mountaintop, that movie. You know, I, 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 I love really that movie. I, man, I just, every day, you just did not know what was going to happen. It was all improvisation. It was? All, oh, man, it was the, the, the entire thing. You never knew which way it was going to go. You know, there's that whole section in that movie. I don't know how well you know the movie, but that whole thing is sell, sell me this pen. You yeah, know? oh, yeah, and, sure. And, uh, you know, that came about that day that uh, we shot that scene in the diner. Leo happened to be the security guard. The guy who was doing Leo's security for that day was a New York City detective. And when they were walking from the trailer to set to that diner scene, he said, you know, I, I had a job interview with the real Jordan Belfort back in the 90s. And yeah. Leo said, oh, yeah, he's just making small talk. And he said, you know what he did in the interview? He pulled out a pen and said, sell me this pen. And so Leo just threw that out in the scene and we just improv it. You know what I mean? But uh, it was that in the moment, that alive, you know, whatever. It feels that way. No, no conversation. Hey, let's try that. And, yeah. I, you know, I've never felt more watched by a director. I've never felt, you know, these, li- you know, I don't, I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I the thing I hate more than anything is saying, hey, so I, I kind of had this idea and I want to yeah, see yeah, if I yeah, could, yeah. like, you know, Marty makes everybody feel a hundred feet tall. Everybody, extras, yeah. everybody, throw, throw things out there. Try, every, try things, try yeah. things. But he sees it. It's not just so, so. Sometimes when you're you're pitching on camera, it's yeah. like, oh, did he see it? But he he saw every little fucking thing yeah. for what it was. Yeah. And then could say, "Great," or "Don't do that," you yeah, know, yeah. one or the other. Right. And and uh, I, you know, that that there was a level of there was a level of play on that on that movie, that, unlike any place I'd ever been before. Oh yeah, yeah, it was oh, wonderful. That's great. Yeah, it was cool. And uh, yeah, I I just the, the thing I liked about the movie of that movie was just the the escalating levels of testosterone. Like they show those traders in that room and by the end of the movie they were, they were doing backflips yeah, and they're like, yeah, 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 it was uh, yeah. it was really a nice element. Yeah. But uh, so like, are you happy that uh, you got out from under the Walking Dead? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think uh, for- We well, did like 20 of them? Yeah, I did like the, I did the first two years. I mean, yeah, I, I think I, I, I think at that, at, at that time in my life you, you know I, I think Frank Darabont I mean that was a strange thing because you know Frank was such a instrumental part of that show and 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 you know he 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 got fired off of it right you know really sort of in a, an abrupt and acute way and that we never really understood and yeah I, I I think for me I was so unbelievably grateful to be doing that show right you know, finally we we're on a show the show was super successful and I it was kind of tailor-made it was right in my wheelhouse and showing something you know I'd been doing like sitcoms and shit before yeah. that stuff that I just don't think I was very good at and I loved that character it was such a beautiful character that had a real arc it had real buoys along the journey that you, you know you could really show something with and I thought sort of just my luck I finally get on this hit show and then I get fucking killed off of it but definitely looking in retrospect you know, doing the show was one of the best things that happened in my career, and getting killed off of the show was was equally as well, yeah. As good. Because it, it, those kind of things become a soap opera eventually. That's it. That's it. Uh, there's no way to sustain it. And, yeah, and, and and you could be stuck there for uh, your entire career. Still, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I I think that you know for me. 
the 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 people you meet along the way is always the thing to take away it's always the most important part of this thing and yeah. i think that you know those 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 people those original actors from oh, the great. walking dead they're still some of my best friends in the world and we're oh, all you, you know enormously close and, and and totally a part of each other's lives oh that's nice yeah it's great you, 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 yeah like i you know you're a gregarious guy that has a real sort of a passion and interest with other people it's nice i, I yeah. mean I, look you know like uh uh, Cherry Jones came and 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 spoke at at at, a, at ART. I flew back up for the graduation, even though I, I didn't graduate. And uh, I remember she said, you know, in this in this business, she said, "Let me give you three pieces of advice." She said, "Always live within your means. Uh, you know, don't don't change your life financially just because things are going well or things are going bad. Try to keep it even. Never base your uh, personal happiness on your career success. And always always remember, above all else, it's about the humans you meet along the way. Be a human being. And uh, uh, you know, I've I've been with artists that I really, really respect. I've worked with actors that I really, really respect who totally disagree with that, who say, fuck this, man. This is not about making friends. I don't give a fuck if you like me. This is about what happens between action and cut. That lasts forever. You know, man, that's I, I, just not who I am, man. It's yeah. not what I believe in. Like, I, I really think that being 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 decent and being kind and, and the relationships are really important and the best part of this thing what you take away and it, and it all becomes part of who you are as an artist and it informs you in so many different yeah. ways and you know to let that armor down and uh, is 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 uh i think that's i mean that's my path well yeah i mean and you're fortunate to have uh, some sort of uh, uh uh you know grounded confidence about things you know because of the way you live your life like because like for me like if i'm on a set you know, which is relatively new to me, you know, to be working, you know, with other actors in, in a real, like I did my, but you know, with this thing I'm doing now with sure. Glow, a lot of times, like I, I just kind of keep to myself because I don't, I know it's not about me. Sure. And and also like, you know, it, you give me five minutes, I might be walking around going, how was that? Was that okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, yeah. I'd rather be quiet guy than that guy, you know? 100%, I mean? <laughs> 100%. And knowing, I think that, um, arrogance or, 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 you know, the second that you're arrogant or the second that you think you've got this fucking thing licked yeah. is the absolute enemy and absolute destruction. So it's like you just go to this place of like, oh, I fuck that. I mean, everything I do, you know, I think artistically, I yeah. do tend to live in this place of like, oh, fuck, I fucked that up. Really? Oh, I do. I do, man. And and But like what, with takes or with characters or like you, or you just like, there's nothing that you've uh, uh, accomplished even after we talk about, you know, how amazing it is and how you know you've learned all these things about yourself and this good side of yourself you know still you walk away from the wolf of wall street and say like i ah, fucked that up. you know i think that the, i think that there are certain processes and certain characters and certain things that i've done where where, where i can look at the process i yeah. can look at everything that happened i right. can look at the relationships that yeah. i made where i say wow that was we, we had some magic but that you have day. to convince yourself it's a pretty high bar, man. I think, you know, like uh, one of the things, one thing a teacher told me that really resonated with me was, you know, one of the problems with things like a graduate school or problem with, you know, maybe going to the same comedy club every night yeah. or, 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 or surrounding yourself with the same artists or right. being on a show for a long time yeah. is what you do is artistically you, whether you want to or not, you start comparing yourself to everybody in your immediate circle and you say, well, you know, I might not be the best, but I'm, I'm definitely better than that guy. And although that guy had a great Tuesday night, you know, yeah, he's yeah, really kind yeah. of at the bottom of the I'm barrel. I'm more steady. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's just like this stupid fucking narrative that means nothing. And this one teacher I had, 
you know, and maybe this is grandiose, but it's what he fucking said. You know, he, he said, you know, what you need to do as an artist is, is you need to have examples of perfection. And whether it's like one play that Michael Jordan made or a riff that Jerry Garcia played or, yeah. you, know, you know, whatever it is, it needs to be these little moments of perfection. You need to always compare your shit to that. Always. To and other types of artists in, in particular? Whatever. Oh. whatever. Uh, artists, athletes, you need to know, you need to have. So how you, do you win that game? You don't. You don't. And I think like when you so get back to the seagull, you. maybe, but I think like, <laughs> look, man, like when I go back to, you know, Alma and the, and the seagull and what yeah. I think that play is about, yeah. you know, to me, what that play is about is it's about all these different artists and their relationship with their dream, the health of the relationship that they have with their dream, with their art. Right. Okay. And so you have all these different people. And if you, you, you know, the play, you, you know, the reason why Chekhov called it a comedy and it's fucking ends with suicide and it's so fucking tragic yeah. is because you got all these people who are in love with the wrong people. And this one loves this one. And they're all so fucking miserable and they should just fucking figure it out. But the metaphor for the dream is the seagull and Treplev's in love with Nina calls her his seagull that's his dream to be with her. And when she won't love him because she's in love with a more successful older writer, what he does is he goes and he kills a fucking, he shoots a seagull and gives it to her. Right. Yeah. And for me, what that play is always about is that the way to have a healthy relationship with your dream yeah. is like a seagull. There's no such thing as a seagull that you can have as a pet. It needs to be wild. It needs to be out in front of you. You need to be chasing it. It needs to be going different okay. directions and you can't, the only way you can touch it or attain it is you got to kill it. And by killing it, it's over, man. Like, you have to chase it. You have to let it be something out in front of you. But you and, think you can't chase it without feeling like you're never good enough? Well, look, I think that just because I know that what I'm after is a healthy relationship with it does not mean by any by any means that I'm there, you know? And, it, and it's, a, it's a journey. It's, it's, it's something that I'm, I'm, I'm striving towards. Uh, but I do think that sort of being like the feeling of, hey, I got this l licked you know, it takes the hunger away. And I think that that is, I, I think for me, that is my, that is the big thing that I really want to work on going forward is I want to figure out how to have a healthier relationship with the things that I'm trying to do that doesn't always go to a place of... You're a piece it. of shit. You're a piece of shit. You, you don't deserve to be here, you know? Because where that does drive me, hey, fight harder, go, 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 it potentially can get in the way. Right. Well, I mean, because like, I mean, I've had that and like, I still have that like with my primary craft, which mm -hmm. is stand up, mm -hmm. you know, I'll, I'll, you know, even if like, you, you know, I don't uh, necessarily get the recognition that some of my peers get and mm -hmm. my last special I thought was great. And that, you know, and I know that I did all the work I could have. Mm -hmm. That was mm -hmm. the best mm -hmm. thing I did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, here a year later or whatever it is when I'm building new stuff that I'm still sort of like, God damn it. Why can't I just work in a different way mm -hmm. to where I don't have to put it all on the line every mm -hmm. fucking time to mm -hmm. figure out, you know, a direction for a joke. But is that it self-judging the shit that you're, that is the process of self-judging and being hard on yourself on this, on this new one that you're doing? Is that the same process that you were? You well, it's were... always been my process. My process is like you, uh, like I get something out of, you know, being in the moment. So mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm not writing jokes down. Like I'm going on stage with ideas. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, in that moment where I, I the, the way I see it is that I have to be funny because I'm cornered. I've mm -hmm. cornered myself. Mm -hmm. I don't know where it's going to come from. Sure. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know what I'm going to say. It's a defensive thing. It's like, you know, I imagine with boxing, sure. it's like, you know, it's, you know, you don't know what it's going to take mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to, you know, to get into that guy's head. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, but, you know, it, you, you've been up there enough to know what's going to happen sure right sure, sure and if sure. it doesn't happen all right so, so that's the game sure but but there there are times where i say to myself 
well, why can't I work differently so I have a little more uh, protection up there? And uh-huh. clearly, I don't want it. Right. And but right. that's not driving me, you know, to to a spiral place. Really, it's right. just part of my life, and and I get it. And you know, and I and I know myself enough to accept my process. You know, whatever the faults of it are. But when you're doing stuff like you know to when you're in the darkness, like uh-huh. self-hatred uh, to, as a compulsion to make yourself better, I, I don't think that's something we do consciously, but but you're saying that you know what I've tr- had to investigate in my life is that if I'm doing things that make me feel bad, and I'm not talking about art, sure. you know what it, what is it about carrying that shame that is fucking comfortable to me, right. and why do I have that? Right, 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 right. Do you I, know? It's tough because I think that I think that I've always been really, really blessed with really, really solid support around me. Yeah. Really, really good group of friends who I've had my whole life. Unbelievable wife, great kids, great, you know, great family, great. I've just, that's never, you know, so I think it's this, this, this idea that I can take anything I, I can take anything because I got this support structure. But, wait, here. but is that true? Or but it seems to me that at some points you must think like you don't deserve any of that. Sure, sure. So what is that? Sure. <laughs> well, I mean, deserve. I mean, I don't know. Deserve is a funny. I, you, you know, deserve is a funny thing. I, I just think that it's we we have these processes. You know, we have this process for art, and f- up until this point, but this was but this preexisted art in your life. No. I mean, like, I have to assume that when you're getting busted and you're having to bullshit your way out of situations, mm-hmm. that you didn't, you know, walk away, whatever the success was in getting away with it, you didn't feel good about yourself, did you? No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jeez, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what that is because yeah. that's part of it. Yeah. That's such, that's like almost a bigger component then the action is staying in that. Sure, sure. And sure. I like I, I can't, you know, I can look at my parents, I can look at whatever, but I can't always uh, quite understand w- what that is. Like there's something about that feeling that is grounding. That's sure. home. That's home. Sure. That's I, home. Yeah, I know yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, you, you know, but 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 I but I also think that those few times, like you look at that special that you just did and that you feel good about yeah. it. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Would you want to be the guy who felt like that all the time? Like I, I, I you, you know, like wow, my shit. Does, my, I'm great. Like I don't know. I just feel no. Like I, that's, I, I, it's never. It's, it's, it's not impossible, a, right? It's not an option. You know, exactly, talking. exactly. So I think, like, I just think, like, a good, healthy dose of questioning yourself. Sure, and, and even like, the guys you think think that don't. They don't fucking think that, man. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like, being honest with that. But I think the biggest, the biggest fear, like when you were talking about that feeling on set after a certain amount of time on a series or whatever, and you start comparing yourself to other people, I think the bigger fear is when you're sitting there going like, now my life is just as boring as any other fuckers. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that... I I don't know, man. I I, I I mean, doesn't work become work after a certain point? I mean, obviously we're not, you know, we're working for ourselves and there's a lot of creativity to it but but i imagine there is a sort of prison to that too i i i I think there can be and i think that it's up to you i think it's up to you to 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 raise your your stakes if if they're not being raised i think that yeah i think that's true you you have to raise your stakes and as a creative person there's always stakes to be raised there's always something you can do even if other people don't see it you know that like i did have something a little different there and that's it that's it so how did you meet your wife how did you where did the family all happen i mean three kids a lot of kids how old are they uh my uh my daughter's three and i have a son uh, that's five and a son that's seven. So it's pretty new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long have you been married? Uh, we've been uh, married for seven years now. Oh, yeah, so that's pretty yeah. new. Yeah, yeah. Where'd yeah. you meet her? I met her in D.C. I met her in D.C. the night I got back from Russia. Uh, she's a, She was an ICU trauma nurse. Um, 
worked at Georgetown, uh, met her. Well, that's met nice her. to have in the house, it's trauma great, nurse, where you great. know exactly it's what's great. going on, it's what great. you got to do. Yeah, she's Something uh, bad happens. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. And, and, um, yeah, she, she's, you know, man, she's, she's everything to me, man. She's everything to me. She, she, uh, you know, I, it, it's been a, it's been a long road with her and she's been there with me every step of the way. And, uh, you know, what I was telling you before about, you know, getting in trouble kind of that last time yeah. when I decided 2009, to, 2009, July 3rd, you know, when you're a grown ass man, grown ass man, dude. And, uh, you know, guys, I, I was in Venice beach and I had my dogs and, uh, some, so a guy, there's these guys having a house party. These sort of like want to be, I don't know what the fuck they were, but there's yeah. a whole group of them. One of them called my dog over. I call my, <laughs> they grabbed my dog. I tried to get my dog back. He tried to kind of take him and I grabbed my dog. They started following me and there's, you know, about 10 of them. And one of them pushed me in the back and, uh, I turned and I hit the guy and he got knocked out standing up and busted his head on the, the pavement. It was real bad. And then, you know, I just put my back against a tree and it was a pretty, pretty bad fight. And I got taken in and, and, uh, you know, we really didn't know whether this guy was going to wake up or not. And, uh, I, I, uh, I was, you know, down there, uh, at the Pacific division handcuffed to a bench and, uh, you know, really did not know what was going to go down. And look, man, this was not like, you know, I wasn't 20. You yeah, know right. I, mean? I wasn't, you know, I was a guy, you know, been a series regular on a few shows, I'd d- done a bunch of movies, yeah. you know. Um, the press get hold of out it? Out of life. No, I, I, I wasn't, it wasn't quite, I wasn't quite there. You oh, know yeah, what I right, mean? Right. It, it wasn't like that. Um, it was before Walking Dead. Oh, okay. And uh, I remember sitting there and literally as, as, as clear as day, you know, having this conversation that, you know, if I go this way in, into this room, uh, and this guy doesn't wake up, you know, it's going to be this side of me. Uh, the darkness has got to come to the front and that's who your light, that's who you're going to be from now on. Yeah. Like that's what life is going to be like in here. But I said, but if you can just get wake me out, of, just wake him up, man, get me out of this one. Like I am fucking done and I'm ready to, I am ready to dedicate my life to the things that I know I need to be dedicating them to. And the first First and foremost was was her. Yeah, and, and she was. Um, she had to come down the station. The whole thing, man. Whole thing. And the guy woke up. He did. And uh, look, that 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 really changed changed everything. That that one event kind of changed everything for me. And, and did you make uh, an amends? Big time. And uh, you know, I, I I really look at what happened with that guy that night and looking at him. You know, I I think there was part of part of what I was doing that night was hitting, you know, was trying to smash something that had been inside of me for so long. Uh And, and this, uh, this, 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 this loudness, this brazenness, this, this carelessness and, uh, impulse control too. Right. Big time. Cause like, you know, I mean, I guess you got to relive that a little bit in that first episode or second episode of Punisher, you know, with those guys coming up on you, like, you know, that, well, what's crazy is that, you know, I think in that, (laughs) in that sense, like in that character and in in a lot of the stuff I play, it's like, you know, we're, we're tapping into a lot of this stuff. And, um, it's funny because, you know, 2009 isn't that long ago, but, uh, you, you know, man, I've like found, I'm a extremely peaceful man now, you know, I, I, I love fatherhood. I've never been humbled by anything like I've been humbled by this. Don't want to fuck that up. Don't want to fuck this up, man. And I, and I'm, I'm absolutely in love with my wife and, and, uh, you, you know, like I've, I've really, I found this thing now where I can really like, I, I still have the fire, but I can really channel it now. Clearly, but well, I think it's interesting how you how you phrase that because I don't think I've heard it phrased like that before. That that 
despite your whatever your intentions were, because of the choices you've made, the darkness will have to come to the front just to survive. That's it. And it was clear as day. What and it wasn't one of these things like, okay, buddy, you better steal yourself. Yeah. Like this, you know, it was in that room being handcuffed to that I know enough about what's on the other side of that wall. Yeah. That if this goes down this way, it's all over. That that life one way or the other, life as I knew it before was over and it was time to, it, 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 it's not like, hey man, I got I to gotta muster up the change. It's over. It's yeah. over one way or the other. We're going one way or the other here. And what a blessing to be presented with that in, in, in such a clear and concise way where sticking to it. You know, it's not about like, hey, let's, you know, let's, let, let, let's fight through this thing. It's like, hey, look, man, it's, it's one way or the other. And it was as clear as anything that I've ever looked at. Right. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it, so it, it, it really it, is black or white because or white. you know that like, you know, you've, you, you went too far and now you got to, you know, survive in that, the chaos of, of just monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad that didn't happen. Me too, man. And yet now you can just do it on screen. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> Good talking to you. You too, brother. All right, that was John Bernthal. Again, The Punisher's third season is on now. It's available at Netflix, on Netflix, at Netflix, in Netflix. You can stream all of the episodes, all of the seasons right now. I got my Wawa pedal hooked up with the Echoplex into the old amp. Kind of analog. Echoplex is a, a reissue of the old sound done without the big tape loops. Dig it. Boomer lives. Oh, oh, oh.